Let's go to the Lord again in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank You for the blessing of being able to come before You and call You our Father. To speak to You and to know that You hear our cries and our petitions. You not only take them under consideration, but how often You answer. In fact, in every case, You answer. Sometimes it is with a no. Because You know what's best for us. And sometimes we seemingly pout like little children when we do not get our way. And yet we know deep within the recesses of our soul when we are out of sorts with You that You do that which is best for us. We don't understand many things that come our way. But we thank You that we have something that we look forward to not only after or at death, but more particularly at the resurrection. We sometimes try to think and contemplate what each state is. Not only the intermediate state, but the final state. But we'll have to wait and see. But as our beloved brother Paul said, we know that it is far better. Far better. To be without sin is far better. To be without trials and afflictions is far better. But to be in Your presence and to worship with a pure spirit or a pure body, soul, and spirit is exceedingly far better. Nevertheless, as Paul also said with regard to the Philippian saints, he said, it is more needful for you that I stay. And though we may not be able to see our needfulness, for continuing here in this sinful world. 
we need to be mindful of the fact that in your wisdom, you have deemed it better for us and maybe likely better for someone else that it, it is more needful that we stay. Help us to be resigned to Your will. Help us to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Help us to grow in our prayer life. To grow in our reading and understanding of the Scriptures. To grow in living a life of holiness. Now we pray that you would be with us as we continue in this worship. Bless us to be able to grasp somewhat of what it is to have fellowship with you. And it is in Christ we pray. Amen. We come back to 1 John, still looking at these first three verses. Now I'll read them again. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son. We ended last Lord's Day, we were looking at this uh, concept of having fellowship not only with the saints of God, but having fellowship with God Himself. As we stated that the, the word fellowship means uh, the Greek word, it means fellowship, association, community, communion, joint participation, and so on. And, uh, and we'll see here in a few moments that one of the uh, verb forms of this word for fellowship uh, has the idea of speaking. Speaking. In other words, our fellowship often centers around our conversation with each other. Therefore, our fellowship with God, and Lord willing, we're going to look at some of these verses, but our fellowship with God is talking to Him, communing with Him.
and probably one of the most uh, immediate signs of a child of grace is that he prays. You remember when uh, the Lord went to Ananias and told him that Paul was on Straight Street and Ananias was to go to him and talk to him and preach to him. And Ananias said, Lord, I've heard about Paul, that he's persecuted the saints and so on. And the Lord told Ananias, said, Behold, he prayeth. Now Paul had gone through the exercise of prayer, no doubt many times as a Pharisee. But it was only after the Lord had converted him that he really prayed. And while it is one of the first uh, indications of a child of grace, uh, I feel, or maybe I should say with my own self, I don't know about you, but uh, prayer is also one of the more difficult exercises of the blessings of God that I find in my own life. Too often when I am endeavoring to pray, my mind gets to thinking about other things that I think I need to do or some passage of Scripture that I need to study or something of that nature. And then on top of that, sometimes it seems as if the prayers never go any higher than the ceiling or the sound of my voice. But we need to realize that if we want to commune with God, we need to be speaking to Him. We need to be talking to Him. I want us to look at how this word is used in the New Testament. And that, word, that way we might better get a handle on what John would have us to understand or the Lord would have us to understand from this epistle. The first time that the word is used, this particular word for uh, communion or uh, fellowship, there, are, like I said, there are some other words, but we're trying to limit our study so we won't get too evasive or too, uh, uh, too large in it. But it's Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. After Peter had preached on the day of Pentecost, in verse 41, then they that gladly received the word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And notice this. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. In other words, the saints continued in fellowship together. They enjoyed each other's company. 
They enjoyed each other's company. It wasn't just that uh, so often you have today religious exercises that people will go to the, uh, a meeting house and they'll meet together and uh, the preacher will have his say and the, uh, the entertainment committee will have their entertainments and everybody will walk away and go home and there's no fellowship. There's no getting to know each other. There's no talking to each other. Many times people, when they begin to show some signs of religion, they prefer to go to a larger congregation so they can get lost in the crowd. They don't want to be too familiar with folks. They don't enjoy that fellowship. And I can tell you from observation of several years in the ministry that when you find <coughs> people who profess to be Christian and they don't want to be around the saints, there's something wrong. There's something wrong. And usually, usually, before it's over with, they have walked away. They have walked away. Well, John said that he was writing those things. He said, because we have fellowship with Christ and we're writing that you also may have fellowship. Have fellowship. In Romans chapter 15, we see the word used the next time. Romans chapter 15, verse 26. For it pleased them of Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor saints which are at Jerusalem. Now you know where Macedonia and Achaia is. Philippi was in is in Macedonia, or was in Macedonia, uh, and, and Achaia is where Corinth was, and so on. And so those congregations took up money they made a contribution for the poor saints at Jerusalem that's the word for fellowship in other words the poor saints at Jerusalem needed assistance and the uh, believers at uh, Macedonia and, uh, and Achaia, they sent money to help them, and therefore they were fellowshipping in their sufferings. They were giving of their money to help them in their distress. 
Let me pause here for just a moment. The modern day mission movement is so designed that for the most part, those that are out, uh, congregations that have been established by people going out and preaching the gospel, they expect the home base to send them money. But you never read in the Scriptures of the Jerusalem saints taking up money to send to the people at Philippi or Thessalonica or Corinth. It was the, the congregations that were established out on their missionary journey, so to speak, they sent back to the, to the mother church, as it were, to the home. We, we live in a day right the opposite. I know of a situation in Africa uh, of a man that uh, continually sends me an email requesting contributions for uh, their uh, particular situation. And when he first did it, uh, I wrote to him and told him that not only was our congregation not uh, able to do so, uh, all of my contributions essentially goes to the congregation here, and that you know, in other words, telling him that uh, we didn't. Sorry, but we couldn't do that. And at first, I kind of felt guilty. But after about six or eight times of receiving the, essentially the same email, I don't feel guilty anymore. There's one thing to assist when you can. You remember Paul told the Corinthian saints, as you have opportunity, sometimes we, you can't do what you don't have. And I don't want to minimize what I've uh, said about with regard to love and love to the saints. All of that has to be balanced uh, one way or the other. But if he is on the mission field, if he follows the New Testament saints, they ought to be taken up for whoever sent him out and helping them. I was really blessed. I think maybe I told the saints about this, told you about this, I'm not sure. But uh, when Brother Isaac and uh, uh, John Piles went to India the last time, uh, Brother Zach was supposed to have gone with them, but he was laid up in the hospital and un unable to go and uh, and had a lengthy, as you remember, 
several weeks there, was quite sick and weak and so on. But the saints in India took up money and sent back to help Brother Zach with his hospital bill. And I think it was something like $2,000. Those were poor saints. That, that just did my soul good. That just did my soul good. But that's fellowship. That's fellowship. I don't remember whether I've told you this or not. Uh, if I have, it won't hurt to tell it again, I guess. Uh, did I tell you something about uh, Brother Isaac recently, his car blowing up on him? Well, his car got had over 300,000 miles on it. But anyway... Uh, I don't exactly remember what all was wrong with it, but the mechanic told him that it'd be better to get another vehicle than to get that one fixed and so on. And it's just They just didn't have the money to do so. But somebody heard about it and sent... Uh, the individual did not send... Uh, a message to Isaac, Brother Isaac. He had somebody else to send the message to Brother Isaac to tell him to go and pick out the vehicle and they would pay for it. And uh, that individual was fellowshipping in the ministry. He was communing. He was participating. And this, this is their word for fellowship. Fellowship in Christ. Being a part of Him. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 1 Corinthians chapter 1 Verse 9, God is faithful by whom ye were called unto the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Everything, and we could preach several sermons on this one thing, but just think, everything that Christ provided for His people, you are fellowshipping you are communing, you are participating with Him in it. In other words, Christ come and He fulfilled the law to a jot and a tittle. But He didn't have to fulfill the law for Himself, He fulfilled it for us. He fulfilled it for us. He redeemed us. He redeemed us by the from the curse of the law. He died for us. He sanctified us. He justified us. Everything that we receive, 
from the benefits of the person and work of Christ, we're fellowshipping Him in it. We're participating in it. Sometimes it doesn't seem like it and it doesn't feel like it, but uh, Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. And for that reason, beloved, you don't have to pay for your sins. Imagine if you had to pay for your sins. Imagine if you had to pay for one sin. But the fact that you do not is because that He took our sins upon Him and He fellowship with us and we're fellowshipping with Him. And this is what Paul is saying here. God is faithful by whom ye were called unto the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Even in our election in eternity is when all of this began to take place. I'm not going to read 1 Corinthians 10.16 where it talks about the communion of the blood and body of Christ. We... Uh, I've covered that several times. But I will go to 2 Corinthians verse thirteen, uh, chapter 13. By the way, it's the same word in 1 Corinthians, excuse me, 2 Corinthians 10 where it talks about what communion has light with darkness with regard to marriage. In other words, there's no fellowship with a believer and an unbeliever. Therefore, a believer should never marry an unbeliever. Sometimes two unbelievers marry and one becomes a believer. And uh, so you have to live with that situation. But anyway, that's another sermon. But in first, Second Corinthians, chapter thirteen, the last verse, the grace of our Lord, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. You don't always feel it, but the Holy Spirit is residing. In you, child of grace, and you're fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit. You need to consciously think about that. Consciously think about that and enjoy the ministry of the Holy Spirit. You remember what the ministry of the Holy Spirit is, don't you? What did Jesus say that the purpose of the Holy Spirit was in John 14 and 15? That He testify of Christ. He testify of Christ. You know, there was a movement afoot, probably still going on. I don't know how much is going on now. I kind of, uh, don't keep tabs with a lot of that as I used to. But people thinking they got they're filled with the Holy Spirit. They were really filled with the Spirit, filled with the Spirit. And when they did, what did they talk about? They talked about the Spirit, the Spirit, the Spirit. 
Well, they weren't filled with the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit doesn't testify of Himself. He testifies of Christ. He testifies of Christ. You say, well, you don't know what they felt. No, I don't know what they felt. <coughs> but I know what the Scriptures teach. So what am I to believe? What they felt or what the Scriptures teach? I'm to believe what the Scriptures teach. Ephesians chapter 3. I'm not looking at all of the verses. But in Ephesians chapter 3, Well, I'm going to go ahead and start at verse 1 so you can get some of the context. For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace... Yeah, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which is given me to youward... How that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in few words, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Which in other ages, whatever this mystery, in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men. As it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of the promise of Christ by my gospel, whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of His power, unto me who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all men see what is the fellowship, there it is, of the mystery which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God who created all things by Jesus Christ and so on. In other words, what do we find here? When we study the Old Testament, as a general rule, all of the promises and all of the blessings were to the Jews. Oh, there were some prophecies that gave, in, uh, gave some in, uh, insight to the fact that the Gentiles would be brought in, but as a general rule, this mystery was hid. But Paul says now, all of those promises that were given to the Jews, all of those spiritual promises, all of those spiritual blessings, they now flow over to the Gentiles. And so we have the same promises. We have the same blessings. We can read those promises and we can take part in them. They apply to us too. When it says that... that uh, 
that the seed of Abraham, that's not just Jews. That's not just descendants of Abraham. Because there were natural descendants of Abraham that were not included in the promise. Such as Ishmael, the sons of Keturah. But every promise that was given to Abraham with regard to the salvation of God comes to us Gentiles who are believers. Every promise. Every promise. In other words, we, we participate in them equally with the Jews. Therefore, you don't have to bow down to a Jew. The Jewish people are no better than a Gentile. As a race of people, uh, right now they may, they're probably worse because uh, as a race they're more atheist than they are anything else. And what Jews that I've come across and talked to about the Bible, they don't know anything about the Bible. Hardly if anything. All they know is their Jewish traditions and what the rabbis have taught them. And they don't know very much about the Talmud. I've got a Jewish friend. I've told him more about what the Talmud says than he even knows. I've got a ten-volume set of the Babylonian Talmud. I haven't read it, but I read in it. And I know some of the things that it says. But beloved, all of the blessings that God promised to His people, all of the spiritual blessings are given to us too because we fellowship in this mystery. We fellowship in this mystery. Philippians chapter 1 Verse 9. No, I got the wrong verse. Verse 5. I must have went to sleep when I typed that one. <laughs> Let's start at verse 3. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine for you all making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. How did the poor saints, or how did these saints at Macedonia fellowship Paul in the gospel? They sent money to him time and time and time again. They helped him. They helped him. And then in the third chapter, in verse 10, Paul said, 
You remember Brother Lawrence preached from this verse when he was here a few weeks ago. That I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings. Being made conformable unto His death. Now, you will not most likely be crucified like the Lord Jesus. But for all of your sufferings, trials, afflictions that you have experienced or uh, suffered for the gospel's sake, then you fellowship Christ in His sufferings. You fellowship Christ in His sufferings. If somebody made fun of you for going to the house of God, if they tried to hinder you from serving God, if they make a mockery of you for what you believe, you're fellowshipping in the sufferings of Christ. You're fellowshipping in the sufferings of Christ. That's what he's talking about there. If you're rejected by uh, friends or family members, you're fellowshipping in the sufferings of Christ. In other words, you're participating. You're, 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 you're experiencing some of the things that he experienced. You remember the Scripture said of Jesus' brothers, they didn't believe in Him. They said, why don't you go up to Jerusalem and show yourself off? That's the, that's the indication I get from that verse in John. But they didn't believe in Him, it said. Later on, His brother James did, and maybe another brother. Uh, we don't know for sure about all of that, but He knew what it was to for kin folks to poke fun at him. And knowing children the way that I do, it wouldn't be uh, a, a, much of a revelation to me to find out that when they were children and playing together and growing up together, that his brothers and no doubt sisters made fun of him. Because he always obeyed his parents. He never did anything that was wrong. And you know, children, when they're trying to get somebody else to do something wrong, and they won't go along with them, they'll kind of make it hard on them. Well, you know what I'm talking about. Well... We'll look over the others. First John, we've read verse 3 of chapter 1. We see this word fellowship used two other times in this chapter. Back in 1 John chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. If we say 
that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. Then the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Walking in fellowship with Christ is walking in fellowship with His people. It's walking in fellowship with light and it's not walking in the darkness. In other words, it's not walking in sin. It's not living in sin. Now we're all sinners and we all sin, but there's one thing to uh, sin and to habitually practice a sin. You may have a friend that is dying of a certain disease and the doctor may tell you that you shouldn't tell them that they're dying of that disease or something and they may ask you, you might even be tempted and you might even say uh, a lie and say, well, no, you're not dying of it when really they are. That's a lie. That's a sin. You say, "Well, what should I do?" I'll leave that to you on that one. We're not trying to. We're not trying to uh, unravel that uh, uh, dilemma. But that's committing a sin. That's not lying every day about everything. See, there's a difference. Walking in a lie, or walking in lying, or committing the sin of lying. David committed the sin of adultery and murder. But he didn't do that on a continual basis. That wasn't his lifestyle. And so we find that a person who is walking in the light has fellowship with not only God, but he has fellowship with God's people. And people who walk in darkness, they don't have fellowship with anybody but darkness. That's the reason people that walk and live in sin, that's the reason they do not like you. That's the reason they speak lies in hypocrisies. Having said that, quoted that verse, turn with me to 1 Timothy Chapter 4. I'll chase a rabbit here for just a moment. I want to read these first few verses. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times, in the latter times, Now, I want you to think about this verse or these verses as it relates to our present environment. You know, a lot of these things that are mentioned in this, we think about Roman Catholicism, forbidding to marry, forbidding to eat meat, and things of that nature. But Paul said this is something that 
is in the latter times. Some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Does that not sound like what our current society is? Speaking lies and hypocrisies. What are, what are these people doing that are opposed to Christianity? They lie about us and they're being hypocrites in their own life. They speak lies in hypocrisy. They're living a life of hypocrisy while they're lying about everything else. Having their conscience seared with a hot iron. People are so brazen today. I don't know all of the circumstances behind it, but I saw on the news recently that uh, a young man was reading out of the Bible and there were some people around him that was making racket and disturbing him and trying to keep anybody from hearing him read the Bible publicly. Finally, they jerked the Bible away from him and started tearing pages out and chewing them up. Conscience seared with a hot iron. Forbidding to marry. We live in a society that say, well, we're just going to shack up instead of marry. That's, that's, the, that's the mentality of the spirit of the age in which we're living. Commanding to abstain from meats. I don't know whether you know it or not, but there's a, a, a huge movement going on trying to get everybody away from eating meat. See, this is not just some religious... Uh, of, of the Catholics, though they may have been pictures of it for centuries. But anyway, uh, which God hath created, God created, beloved God created, meet to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. We know that there's nothing wrong with eating meat. Nothing wrong with it. As long as it's good meat. <laughs> Not filled with a bunch of hormones and stuff. But anyway, that's another uh, side note. For every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the Word of God in prayer. But anyway, when I'm talking about walking in darkness, I got to thinking about this. Uh, from Titus or Timothy chapter four, verse these first few verses. In fact, I had never made the connection with our modern society until this week when I read it in my scripture reading, and it just seemed to stick out. I wonder why in the world I hadn't seen it before. You, y'all may have, but I, I hadn't. But I, anyway, I wanted to uh, emphasize that. See, our fellowship is having fellowship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Having fellowship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost.
Fellowshipping or communing with saints include worshiping together in like-mindedness and a willingness to share one's time and wealth with each other. To share their time and wealth with each other. Some people do not have time, they say, for other folks. When people profess to be believers, and they're young folks, and they don't have time for old folks, there's something wrong. And when old folks don't have time for young folks, who are believers, there's something wrong. Well, I don't like what they, they're always talking about touching that and they're talking about this and talking about that. And I don't... Well, so they are. How are you going to get to know them if you don't hear what they're talking about? You can learn more about another individual by being silent and listening than talking. You know why? Because when you're talking, you're not learning anything you're telling. There's some folks when you talk to them, basically all you have to do is occasionally say, uh huh. And they go on and on and on. And sometimes people, older people who live alone, are so lonely when they get the opportunity to talk, one of the best things you can do is just let them talk and listen. That takes patience. Especially when you want to get a word in edgewise. But sometimes the best thing to do is just sit and listen. I've actually told some folks they were going through difficult times. I said, if sometimes you just want to talk and you don't want any advice, I said, I live alone so you don't have to worry about waking up the family or anything. You can call me day or night and you say, Preacher, I don't want any advice. I just want to talk. I said, I'll sit there and listen. I'll try to keep my mouth shut. Because sometimes that's what a brother or sister needs. Now obviously if they are sinning in their communication, in their talking, you would have to admonish them. But there again, it would take wisdom and, and so on. But I think you get the drift of what I'm trying to say with regard to 
fellowship, communing together. It's like what Paul said in Romans 12, 15. Rejoice with them that rejoice and weep with those that weep. I'm not going to look at some of these other verses. Uh, we could spend a couple of more sermons on them. But I do want to read something quickly. The Hebrew word, uh, well, let me read Genesis 18.33. Genesis 18.33 And the Lord went His way as soon as He had left communing with Abraham. Now you remember what Abraham was doing there, don't you? Abraham kept praying, you know, uh, if there's 50 righteous in the city, you wouldn't destroy Sodom if there's 40 righteous and going down. Well, Abraham was praying to the Lord. Praying to the Lord. And it says when the Lord left communing with Abraham. See, Abraham was communing with God. Well, this Hebrew word for communing in this text is most often translated to speak. For anybody that's interested, the word is Dabar, the Scriptures continually reiterates that God spoke. The verb and its noun derivative occurred more than 2,500 times in the Old Testament. The noun over 1,400 times and the verb more than 1,100 times. And all the words used in the Bible for this Hebrew words have some sense of thought processes or communication or of subjects of means of or of subjects of means of communication. So you get the idea that if you're communing with God, you're talking to him. You're fellowshipping him. It's not sitting around waiting for some feeling. Now feelings may come. Feelings may be there. But you say, well, how can I know that I'm communing with the Lord? Are you praying to Him? Are you reading His Word? Are you talking to Him? Are you living as He would have you to live? Are you walking in the light? You see, fellowship is not a mystery. It's not something that you can, can't grasp and, uh, uh, and comprehend. Communing is two individuals continually learning about each other and delighting in each other's company. And naturally, it includes talking and listening to each other. Well, when we commune with God, He doesn't learn anything about us, but we learn a lot about Him. 
But I hope you get the idea of what when John said that you might have fellowship with us and have fellowship with the Lord. It's not something, it's not some nebulous idea that's floating around out there that you can't uh, get a hold of. I hope that helps. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the the clarity. And yet there's still a whole lot that we do not know. Simply because It is the sinful communing with the sinless. The finite enjoying the infinite. But I pray that You would bless us to live in such a way that our fellowship with You will continually grow as we live out our lives here upon this earth. In Jesus' name, Amen.